Hey guys, welcome back to my channel. So on today's episode of Thought Spot, I am going to be talking more about endometriosis because my surgery is next week. It's getting closer and closer and I want to talk about what goes through someone's mind, specifically what goes through my mind going into such a life-changing surgery. For those women out there who have endometriosis, who have yet to seek that diagnosis and seek the answers that they need for their endometriosis. And for those women out there who are in the same step in their endometriosis journey as me right now, who are about to go into surgery, I hope that this video and my other videos that have to do with endometriosis can provide a sense of comfort that someone else out there is going through a similar journey and that we're not alone. So let's get right into it. So if there's anyone out there who is sensitive to the topic of endometriosis, chronic illness, any sort of medical talk about just health or navigating the medical field, because I know this could be a sensitive topic for many people out there, I suggest you watch or listen to this episode with caution or just maybe save this episode for later or skip this episode in general because the last thing I want is to trigger people. So just be conscious of yourself, be conscious of the content that you're taking in. Okay, so for the past few weeks, I haven't really been thinking much about the surgery coming up because I try not to worry about something too much ahead of time because I do have pretty bad chronic anxiety. And so if I'm not cognizant of it, I could easily, easily get swept away start to spiral and it affects my health you know it's not just thinking at that point you physically feel sick you physically feel tense and you physically can't eat if you allow yourself to really feed into those anxious thought patterns and so i'm not saying that this is the best way to deal with things but typically i like to just kind of put something in the back of my mind when it's not something that I have to deal with right away and so I can take a break from it. And so when something has to be addressed because the date of surgery, for example, is getting closer, that's when I start to think about it and boy oh boy, Sunday hit and it was so random how the thought of surgery being next Thursday just randomly hit me while I was out eating dinner with my family and we were eating dumplings <laughs> which I was so excited for because I love dumplings and it was supposed to be something that I could feel comforted by and enjoy and I wasn't expecting endometriosis and the surgery to pop in my mind during that dinner but I think what I think the reason why I started to think about it and have it sink in against my will was because my mother asked me about the surgery, when it was, what was going to happen. And as I started to answer her questions, I started to get that really 
And I'm sure a lot of people with chronic anxiety knows how this feels, but your body just starts to feel sick. It starts to tense up and you feel, you just don't feel good. That started to happen to me. My mind started to follow along to the bodily sensations I was getting of anxiety. And I started to think in a very anxious manner. I'm not gonna lie. I pretty much had an anxiety attack in the dumpling restaurant. <laughs> I know that sentence sounds so ridiculously funny looking back at it but I just you know I'm neurodivergent so I get very very overstimulated easily and so imagine I'm in public and there's so much going on within a restaurant during dinner time. There's countless of people sitting around me having conversations. There's so many smells coming from the food. There's smells coming from other people. There's smells of people smoking outside, wafting in. There's so many things to pay attention to. And on top of it, your mind is racing, thinking about this really big, intense surgery that you're about to have. See, you could tell this moment was disassociative for me because I'm almost talking about myself and my experience in a third person. But you begin to feel extremely overwhelmed and your mind starts to race and spiral and you start to, in attempt to grasp onto some reassurance, you try to look for answers to prepare yourself from this imminent danger that you feel like is going to happen because your body is reacting in a way where you're like, I'm not safe. What is the danger? Where is the danger? And how can I prepare for this danger? How can I prepare in a way that I could feel like I'm going to survive and be safe? And so your body goes into this fight or flight mode and it's just really surreal because in reality, you're just sitting in a dumpling restaurant and you're supposed to enjoy the delicious food in front of you, but you feel as if there's something that's going to come and get you and you have to be prepared to fight or to run away. And so my mind is trying to sort through the thoughts, trying to look for an answer to calm me down, but that's not possible because with endometriosis specifically, we go into our first surgery not having barely any answers because there's no test that you can take. There's no imaging that you can take as well in order to give you any sort of answers or indication as to how bad the endo is or where it is. The only way you could get the formal diagnosis and to get any sort of information about your endometriosis is to literally just get the surgery, to get the laparoscopy. And so... My mind was trying to latch onto information in order for me to ease my mind and to provide some critical thinking and to get some answers, but there was nothing I could latch onto because there's no information that I had other than my surgery is next Thursday. And it's a big surgery. It's, it's a surgery where they cut you open and put a camera in you and start to cut the endometriosis out of whatever organs that they attach themselves to. It's scary, it's invasive, and the thought that you won't know what you're getting into until you're in it or even on the other end of coming out of it is extremely overwhelming for a person to process, especially because this would be like the first big surgery I 
will have that is this invasive. You know, some women find out they have endo and get it treated when they're older. So they've already, you know, given birth at that point. So it's like they've already kind of like eased their way into going through something so physically taxing and invasive. And so for women who are younger in their late 20s or even in their teens who have to go through this really intense surgery, it's so scary for us because it's just, we don't know what to expect. We don't know what to prep our mind for. We don't know what to prep our body for, how to prep. And so it's so easy to kind of just panic because you don't know what to do. You don't know how to calm yourself down and you don't have the answers that you wish you had. And that is a scary thought. The unknown is so scary, especially when it involves your health and it's going to physically actually affect you. You know, emotional and mental things is already so scary to deal with, but when it's actually like physical as well, along with the mental and emotional aspects, and you don't know what to prepare yourself for, how bad it's going to be, and how much pain you're going to be. It's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. So coming back from the dumpling restaurant, I (laughs) kind of started to spiral. I took some time for myself to process on my own in a way that I could be not as overstimulated as I was out in public eating. I didn't eat that much, you guys. Like I ate a few dumplings and I just could not bring myself to enjoy the food, which kind of shows how anxious I was. And that was my first meal of the day too, because I fast So I was fasting all day and I broke my fast at the dumpling restaurant. And so that was the only meal I ate that day. And I couldn't even really get in that much food because I was so anxious and I felt like I was sick and like I wanted to throw up. And I came home and I just, I kind of just allowed myself to spiral further into that anxious thinking. Granted, at the time, I thought that I would feel better by trying to plan things out more, but I ended up actually just making myself more anxious. And that's something I kind of wanted to delve deeper on in today's episode is this concept of over planning things and doing too much research in regards to endometriosis and your surgery. So I want to just say I know it's never bad to do too much research. It's never bad to do research. And I think for a lot of women, in order for them to get to that point, they have had to do so much research on their own in order to advocate for themselves and see the people they need to see to get that surgery booked. So once that surgery is booked, it's kind of hard to not continue that momentum of research that you were so used to doing that allowed you to reflect on all your symptoms, what your treatment plan is, who you need to see in order to get the treatment, how to help with your chronic pain, how to help with your chronic illness. It's hard not to continue that momentum into prepping for your surgery, but in my case, that momentum that I kept on with actually harmed me in the process going into surgery because I was just so anxious. I had multiple panic attacks this past week, trying to prep for the surgery, trying to do more research, when in reality, I knew everything I needed to know, and I had done everything I needed to do to prep for the surgery, and I just allowed my anxiety to trick myself into thinking, 
I could prep even more because I wouldn't be this anxious if I was fully prepared. And that is the loophole, that is the pitfall in this subject of over-preparing. And I just want to say that's something I had to be very conscious and cognizant of as the week went on. And I was like, I can't keep doing this to myself. I had filled out pages on pages on pages of information in my notebook. And I got to a point where I was just rewriting information that I had already written down because I hit a dead end with my research. And I was like trying to write more, trying to plan more when I already had overplanned in reality. I was like, I am going crazy. I feel sick. I don't feel good. And for what? You know, I wasn't doing myself any sort of justice at that point. I was actually kind of harming myself and my well-being. That's a reminder for women out there who are about to go into a big surgery or are going in for the endometriosis surgery. Like there's a point where you have probably already planned enough. There's a point where you just need to take a step back and allow yourself to let go of this control that we're trying to get a hold of just for our own well-being so just a little bit of information on the things that i was kind of researching and planning for is i wrote a list of things that i needed for my surgery to bring to the hospital and also for the post-surgery recovery and so i kind of wrote a list down i'm just gonna kind of go over what it is that i wrote so that people could maybe get some information out of this as to getting help for their preparation and so i've had gone under anesthesia before and when i woke up from anesthesia i was extremely nauseous and sick granted i am prone to nausea to begin with and motion sickness and on top of that my anesthesiologist told me that women of asian descent or people of asian descent more commonly experiences more intense nausea when they go under anesthesia. Obviously, this doesn't apply for every Asian person, but my anesthesiologist was an Asian man, and so he thought that information was important enough to let me know. I mean, his intuition was right because as soon as I woke up from my first surgery from anesthesia, I immediately was vomiting. I vomited twice in the hospital, and I vomited twice on the ride home, and I vomited probably 10 plus more times when I got home. And I was actually extremely worried because I didn't know that much vomiting was normal or not. And so I remember my partner who was taking care of me called my hospital multiple times because he was like, she's non-stop vomiting. I don't think this is normal. Like, what do we do about this? And I think the way I coped with that was to just drink as much liquid as possible, drink as much Pedialyte as possible, also take anti-nausea medicine that they had prescribed to me. Eventually, by the time the whole day passed, my nausea started to calm down more. I couldn't eat food. I couldn't even eat soup because that would make me nauseous. The only thing that I found that could be taken down and not thrown up was just plain crackers. 
So I had plain Ritz crackers and I just ate the whole box because that was the only thing that I could stomach for I think around two days. All I ate was crackers and then around the third day I could start to eat a little bit more. And so on my list I wrote down get boxes of Ritz crackers. And then I wrote down a lot of liquids to buy. So I wrote apple juice, Gatorade, tea. And I also want to get myself some like sensory comforts. So I wrote down candles, blanket, and to make sure that my phone and my laptop was accessible in my room so that I could go on it in order to keep myself busy. Also some books. And then also I wrote down to pack in my backpack to bring to the hospital pants, sweater, and also to have my period underwear ready because from what I researched, women who have endometriosis surgery tend to have prolonged bleeding afterwards so to expect for that and so I wrote in my notebook to have my period underwear prepared in my room and also in my backpack in case I am bleeding after surgery. It's just my personal preference and my personal decision to not use pads or tampons. I had really bad experiences with tampons. It caused a lot of health issues for me in regards to women's health and maybe I'll get into that in another video if people are even curious, but I stopped using tampons a long time ago. And I think in general, after that experience with tampons, I just didn't want to use any sort of product that has to do with like being disposed of because you just don't know what's in it. You don't know what chemicals are in it, even the organic products. So I just stopped using pads, stopped using tampons, and I bought myself a couple pairs of period underwear. And that's what I've been using for the past two years. And it's been really amazing. It's been great. I'm a huge advocate for period panties. I know some women like the period cups, but I just didn't want to put anything inside me anymore because I have so much pain down there so period panties was just the perfect option for me it's sustainable i don't have to have a bunch of waste because a lot of women with endometriosis have extremely heavy bleeding so i used to have a lot of waste from my periods because i went through tampons so quickly so yes i have my period panties ready just making sure that my setup at home where i will be doing most of the recovery on the bed is just up to par you know making sure it's like a really good nest for me to be in I have my water there I have my liquids there I have my crackers there and to make sure that I have everything I need in regards to medication I know I need painkillers anti-nausea medicine and also a lot of people experience constipation coming out of surgery because of the pain medication and the anesthesia so having like a laxative or a stool softener is definitely super important I know from my last surgery, I was extremely constipated, so it helped me a lot to have stool softener the day before surgery to make sure that I just clean myself really well because I probably won't be able to shower for like a couple days. So to make sure I clean myself really well, uh, make sure I don't have nail polish, to cut my nails, 
also to buy some baby wipes in case I do have to wipe my body and I can't go into the shower to have that accessible to me as well. So those are just some of the stuff that I'm prepping for leading into the surgery so that I have everything I need to have coming out of the surgery. So I did a bunch of research as well as to women's experiences going into surgery so that I could have questions prepared for my surgeon, my endometriosis specialist. I was supposed to have my call with her yesterday, but that didn't work out and she, for some reason, rescheduled it last minute into next Monday. So going into this call, these are some of the questions that I had written out to ask my surgeon. And perhaps this will help some of you with some questions you want to ask your surgeon going in. I came up with these questions through research and also talking to other women who have had the endometriosis surgery. So one, I wanted to ask my surgeon if I was going to be receiving excision as the way she is going to be getting rid of the endometriosis because a lot of women with endometriosis and have had surgeries will tell you that ablation is not ideal. At this point, excision is the gold standard for getting rid of your endometriosis. And so I wanted to make sure that excision was the way that my surgeon was going to perform the surgery. I also wanted to ask her about my birth control options after surgery in order to maintain the endometriosis, not to have the endometriosis return or to keep it from returning as fast as it was before. And what that means to me, should I stick to birth control pills or should I switch to the IUD? because my surgeon offered me the option to have the IUD inserted during surgery because she said for a lot of women it is painful. So if I wanted to go along with the IUD to just go ahead and get that inserted while I was under anesthesia, and she told me that the IUD that she would be inserting would last me up to seven years. And so, you know, going over those options with her, what would work best for me? in regards to my lifestyle, my goals, and also my plans to, you know, eventually get pregnant in the future because that is something I am interested in. And as many women with endo know, that affects everything along with your treatment plan is whether or not you want to eventually have kids. Also, I wanted to ask my, my surgeon about the possibility that I have this condition called vulvodynia. I didn't know what this was until I spoke to another woman with endometriosis and so she found out through her pelvic floor therapist that she had vulvodynia and for people who don't know what vulvodynia is, just like a general summary is that you experience a lot of pain in the opening of your vagina. So that is definitely something I have. And I didn't know that that was, that had a name to it. So I wanted to bring that up to my surgeon to see if that is something I possibly have and what that means to me, if there's treatment for it or, you know, if 
that is necessary to diagnose as well, you know, just bring it up. I also wanted to bring up to her that I experienced extremely bad nausea after anesthesia. I want to give her that information so that if there's any sort of steps that I can take or the anesthesiologist can take to limit the nausea more so that I'm not throwing up as much to the extent that I was in my first surgery, I threw up about like 15 to 20 times. I definitely don't want to experience that again coming out of the endometriosis surgery because I'm going to have a lot of pain along my abdominal region so throwing up is like the last thing you want to experience because you're flexing all those muscles down there and so I imagine that is just going to be a very painful experience for me and I really want to avoid that as much as possible so yeah just bringing up my issues with nausea in correlation to anesthesia to my surgeon I also wrote down a list of where I experienced most of my endometriosis pain. I wanted to talk about this with my surgeon in more detail because I think the more information I give her, the more accurate she could be in regards to giving me the laparoscopy and looking for the endometriosis rather than going into it completely blind and having no information. I think her getting a general idea of where I experienced the pain can give her indications as to where to look more deeply into. And so I told her the left side of my pelvic region, kind of where my left ovary would be, experiences a lot of pain. And when I'm very inflamed, the left side of my ovary will extend further out than the right side. I told her when I experience a lot of inflammation and when I'm on my period, my bladder is obstructed. And so I suspect as well, my bladder probably has quite a lot of endometriosis on it. And this is another thing that is very specific and I think is very important mentioning is the possibility of me having endometriosis on my diaphragm and on my lungs. This is something I didn't necessarily consider or think about until I started to watch a lot of videos of other women coming out of their laparoscopy where their surgeon found endometriosis on their diaphragm. These women go into their symptoms and I started to reflect on my symptoms and realized, holy crap, I more than likely have endometriosis on my diaphragm. And this is very, very, very important for me to know and to bring up to my surgeon because endometriosis growing on your diaphragm is very, very rare, but it's not impossible. So if you suspect you have endo on your diaphragm, you really need to track your symptoms and tell your surgeon right away. I'm gonna kind of go into my symptoms of why I think I have endometriosis on my diaphragm so that women out there with similar symptoms can have more confirmation and so therefore bring it up to their surgeon. And I guess we will see if all of my suspicions are right after my surgery is over and they find exactly where all my endometriosis is but I, I trust myself and I feel like more than likely I do have endo in all the places that I have listed down. So a little bit of history as to why I think I have endometriosis in my diaphragm is I have had developing breathing problems since high school. That is 
really important to know. My doctors in the past have always told me that this was just standard asthma and they would prescribe me inhalers. Even my most recent primary care doctor has prescribed me a bunch of inhalers. And what is interesting is, is that inhalers never worked for me. Every time I used an inhaler, I breathe just as terribly right after. It never helped with my breathing. On top of that, I didn't have asthma when I was little. So I never had breathing problems throughout my childhood. And it wasn't until I started hitting puberty and I got my period, my breathing started to get worse and worse and worse. And that's another thing to note, my worsening breathing problems. It's not that it was bad and just stayed consistently the same. It started to have issues in high school and it worsened throughout the years. And it worsened especially throughout the past three years when I stopped taking birth control and my endometriosis progressed extremely fast. At my worst, my endometriosis pain started to make my breathing even more labored. The breathing issues I have isn't asthmatic symptoms. So asthmatic symptoms is kind of like they are brought on by external factors like smoke, doing exercise, being in high altitudes, whatever it is. And you can experience worsening breathing in those special external factors. Also, you can experience coughing and wheezing. I never experienced coughing or wheezing. My breathing issues are not brought on by external factors. I just have extremely, I have a, an extremely hard time breathing cons constantly. It never goes away. I have issues inhaling deeply. It's basically impossible for me. I can only inhale. Let's say a normal person can inhale and extend their lungs for six seconds. For me, when I'm genuinely trying to deeply inhale, I can only inhale for like two seconds. If you can imagine how little air I'm constantly getting into my lungs, that is just something that I struggle with on a consistent basis. On top of not being able to inhale deeply or fully, I also have chronic rib pain that is worsening and the right side of my ribs is always in extreme pain along with my right shoulder and my shoulder blades. Here's the thing you guys, I thought that that was due to my scoliosis. I thought my breathing problems was due to my scoliosis. I thought my chronic rib pain was due to my scoliosis and my shoulder pain was due to my scoliosis. But when I was doing my research on endometriosis growing in your diaphragm, all these women were saying that they experience rib pain specifically on their right side and also excruciating shoulder pain and breathing problems. When I heard that, I just intuitively knew right away that that was where my breathing problems was from. And on top of the fact that my general doctor told me that my scoliosis wasn't bad enough for me to have my breathing be affected. 
And so, you know, putting all those factors together, I kind of concluded more than likely I was having breathing problems because of the endometriosis, because the endometriosis probably grew on my diaphragm and perhaps my lungs and that this was something I really needed to bring up to my surgeon because I needed to make sure that that is somewhere she is going to look in depth and hopefully help me treat because if I continue to go untreated for the endometriosis in my diaphragm, it's very highly possible for my breathing to continue to worsen. And as I get older, my lungs will have a higher possibility of collapsing, which can lead to death. And I really don't want that happening. I already experienced such bad breathing in general that the thought of my lung collapsing and I cannot breathe, even with an inhaler, is extremely scary. So... Definitely, this is something for other women out there with endometriosis to consider. And as I come out of the surgery, I will talk more about this and give you guys more information in regards to endometriosis in the diaphragm. Okay, so another thing I wanted to bring up to my surgeon is I've been getting a lot of abnormal test results in regards to my pap smears and so she briefly said that she was going to take a biopsy of my cervix in order to test it, I think for cancer. And so I just kind of wanted to get more information from her as to what that means because obviously cancer is a scary word and it's scary to think that I've been having multiple abnormal tests in regards to my pap smears and so I just want to kind of brace myself for any sort of information that might be life-altering so you know just bringing that conversation up making sure that we are talking about it so that I am up to date with you know all of my health concerns and so that I and just, you know, I'm, I have the information that I need. So yes, I wanted to talk about that. What does the biopsy mean? What should I prepare for? Also, I wanted to ask her if my partner can come with me to surgery, if he could stay with me in the room after I wake up from surgery. I know COVID might have some rules according to that. So I want to make sure that I am not going to be alone when I wake up from surgery because that is definitely something I don't want to do. So I want to make sure that I will have my support system there for me when I wake up from surgery. Also, I want to ask her how many days am I allowed to stay in the hospital waking up from surgery? I wanted to ask this because my friend who has had the endometriosis surgery said that when she woke up from surgery she stayed in the hospital for one day but as they discharged her to go home and she was doing the rest of her recovery at home she was having a really really hard time recovering for a few weeks after and she said that if you wake up and you're experiencing a lot of pain to make sure you advocate for yourself and to ask to stay in the hospital for more than one day if you really really need to she said do not be afraid to ask to stay an extra day or two because I didn't advocate for myself and I went home after one day and I was in so much pain that she practically had to pee and poo 
in her own bed because she could not get up to go to the bathroom herself. And she did tell me just because her experience was very bad and very excruciating, it's not going to be the same for me and for other women. I know a lot of other women are able to go home after one day in the hospital no problem but for my friend specifically she said she would have preferred to stay in the hospital with the medication and with the care of nurses for at least three days so that was something i wanted to ask my surgeon is is this an option for me when i wake up if i really needed to stay extra days am i allowed to do so also i wanted to ask her i know this is silly but i'm very scared of the catheter I want to ask her if I would have a catheter inserted into me and if I would wake up with the catheter still inside me because the thought of being able to feel the catheter inside me and also to feel it being removed and to deal with that discomfort brings me a lot of anxiety for some reason and I just want to mentally prepare myself for that if that is something I'm going to experience. Also going over the possibility of me going home with a catheter as well. And yeah, that's basically all the questions I had prepared to ask my surgeon. I guess we shall see how all of these get answered with the post-surgery phone call and also all the answers that I'm going to receive as well after surgery. With all of that being said, after I allowed myself to kind of spiral for a few days, I kind of caught myself at the tail end of it and I had to mentally tell myself, Irene, you have already done more than enough to prepare yourself. You know everything you need to know and at this point, you are just trying to fill in the blanks to answers that you are just not able to have right now and you are at a point where you just need to let go of that control and that need for control and to stop seeking answers in a moment where you're not supposed to know those answers it's just not possible and i just had to really process on that and journal to myself and reassure myself that I am going to be okay. I am in good hands. I don't need to feel anxious. I don't need to feel like I am in danger. I will be okay. I trust my surgeon. I trust my support system. I trust myself and I will get through it. I am strong, I am resilient, and I will be fine. So that is kind of where I've been at for the past few days, just really reassuring myself and that process is not easy you know i still slip into anxiety and every night before bed i have to literally talk to myself and tell myself i will be okay for other women who are going through similar things it's okay to talk to yourself and to remind yourself on a daily basis that you'll be fine because it's very scary it's a lot to process and uh i don't blame you for being anxious i don't blame myself for being anxious just having empathy for myself that everything is going to be okay with that i kind of wanted to share with you guys this quote that really really resonated with me this past week and really brought a lot of comfort to me in regards to letting go of your need for control letting go of your need to know everything and how it's going to turn out in moments of uncertainty and in moments of going into the unknown this quote has really brought me a lot of solace and a lot of comfort you only need to know what you need to know when you need to know it and not a moment sooner 
Worrying is the vain attempt to know more than you know before you need to know it. You can plan and you can prepare, but once you've planned and once you've prepared, stop worrying. Discard all concern for what may or may not happen because you simply cannot predict the future. You can only project your worries onto it. Whatever you need to know will arise for you in the moment that it's needed to be known. So let go of your worries and trust that you only need to know what you need to know when you need to know it and not a moment sooner. And wow, that quote is so powerful and such a great way to encompass a lot of our minds going into endometriosis surgery. Just this need to kind of fill in these blanks and take control of something. In reality, that is just not possible. In reality, we really just need to trust the process, trust ourselves and the knowledge and the people around us that is going to help us along this journey to just have faith, basically. With that being said, thank you for those of you who are listening and I'm just sending all of my love and empathy towards women out there who are experiencing similar situations to me similar feelings of anxiety of the unknown we are going to be okay we are strong and we're gonna make it out of it I think it's important in times like this to understand that There's been so many women ahead of us that have gone through the same exact process and have made it out on the other end with less pain and more hope with their health and were able to make so much improvement on their life because of the lessening pain and to have faith and hope of a better future. I know sometimes that could be hard for us because we've suffered so many years of chronic pain leading into the surgery. So, but yes, for women with endometriosis, navigating this whole journey of endometriosis and whatever that means to you don't give up i know chronic illness is so hard to deal with there's a reason why there's therapists that specialize in people who deal with chronic illness and chronic pain because this journey is so nuanced and so specific and it's not easy so really just have empathy for yourself really don't give up on yourself don't give up on your journey advocate for yourself keep staying resilient keep staying persistent keep persevering you will get through it you already are getting through it despite it all but anyways you guys that is the end of today's episode wish me luck and send me some love and healing energy as i go through my surgery and as i'm healing from it i will update you guys after my surgery with how it went I think maybe I will just make a surgery video where I can document my surgery process and my healing process and then perhaps come out with another episode on this podcast where I process what it is I went through regarding the surgery. So if you want to stay tuned with my endometriosis journey, please subscribe down below, press like, show some support, show some love, and I will see you guys on the other end of my endometriosis surgery, hopefully where I am more pain-free and endometriosis-free. But until then, I will see you guys next time. Bye-bye.